This reading is from Philippians 2, 9 to 11. And I ask for your uh, forgiveness as I read this, because this is one of those uh, gospel-shouting hallelujah passages. Paul has just urged the church to imitate Christ, especially in his humility. And it is in Christ's humility that we come to this. Therefore, God has highly exalted Jesus and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Today's reading is from Luke 14, uh, 7 to 14. The Lord be with you and also with you. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Now Jesus told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by them. And the one who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, they may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you, for all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or sisters or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid by the resurrection of the just. The Gospel of Christ. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. You may be seated. Thank you. It is an honor to be here with you all. My name is Jesse Sedirgo. Um, I come from Tyndale Seminary, and I am uh, just really pleased to be with you all. Today is a beautiful text and a parable that Jesus uses to describe hospitality. And if you know hospitality, in our day-to-day, -day, hospitality is treated as somewhat of an industry. When you think about hospitality, you think about um, what it is to go to a hotel or go to a restaurant and to review. Uh, but hospitality in the terms of what Jesus is talking about here is a particular feast. 
in which Jesus is talking about a few people who seem to be coming into a party and seeking out the best position, uh, a place of honor. And so I don't know about you, what your personality is when you come into a party. Some of us want to hide. Some of us just want to creep in. Some of us come and we want the place of honor. And in this situation, Jesus gives this parable, this parable of them coming before a wedding feast. And it says in verse 8 that when someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited you, both of you, will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the place of least importance. You have a choice in this situation to either come uh, to be elevated or to be someone who is demoted. How embarrassing would it be if you are someone who kind of takes, can I sit here? This is the head of the table and someone has to usher you into a more humble place. And in this situation, I think it, often counters our current culture of today, Uh, a culture of self-promotion, a culture where you need to show everything on Facebook or on Instagram or whatever the cool kids are doing right now, how much you are doing. Like if you're talking about doing generous acts today, all the ideas of doing generous acts in secret (laughs) is not happening. Like everyone needs to show how much they are doing for everyone to see so they can be an inspiration to the many. But in this situation, it's saying that actually self-promotion is the opposite of what we are here to do. And in this text, it gives us an opportunity to get instructions on how to be a guest and how to be a host. And I think they're quite interrelated in the way that it's discussed over here. So to be a guest first. So if you're a guest, do not take the place of honor. Take the lowly place. It tells you, because how great would it be if you're given You sit, you choose to sit in a humble place, you know, you sit at the kids' table or whatnot, and someone says, no, 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 come up and sit where we are here. And you're in a way, just similar to the text that we read in the beginning, you and Jesus taking, you know, that hymn that that is saying about Jesus' humility, that Jesus, while he takes the place of humility, is exalted to the highest place, right? That God is the one who exalts us, that we don't need to exalt ourselves, that we leave the exalting for God to do and not our own. And so in our culture today, if you are in your workplace or if you are in a, in a, uh, in a situation in class where you have to like raise your hand and assert yourself to get your participation grade, sorry, I'm thinking like a seminary right now as a teacher, or you're thinking like in a workplace where it's like the squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? So if you talk enough, and this is quite counterculture to an Asian myself, where I have to like speak up and assert. I'm usually in the meeting kind of like, who's going to ask me (laughs) to say anything? But in our culture, I had to force myself in these executive meetings or these board meetings to say, hey, can I I say something? Can I interrupt here? You know how hard it is (laughs) for for me and myself to kind of just interrupt people in that situation. But in our culture, we're trained that if you don't speak up, no one's going to listen to you, right? You have to self-promote, self-advocate so you are heard. But in this text, it desires for the church to be a different type of community, a different type of community than a a, a purely capitalist system where the survival of the fittest, where you speak up the most. Actually, the church, the body of Christ, provides us with an opportunity where we can recognize people, where we can actually make people stand out before they feel a need to, 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 to represent themselves, you know? 
How amazing would it be, which is, the, which is what this is, is that if you as a guest don't need to have to put your resume out for people to see and to stand out and say, look at me, how amazing would it be if the congregation and the people that is hosting took the time to look you in the eye, to hear your story, to listen, to discern, like, who are you? Like, and elicit it from you rather than you have to say, well, you know, I just want to, like, insert here, you know, I have a PhD, you know, like, I just want you to know, you know, that, like, uh, I was really involved in my other church before. How uncomfortable, how, it's, it's like coming out of a place of scarcity rather than at a place of abundance. It comes out of insecurity a lot of the times, and sometimes it's not out of insecurity. It's just a necessity to keep up with this culture. But the body of Christ allows us to be a community where it says, no, 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 you don't, you don't gotta, like, don't worry, you don't have to promote yourself. I'm, I really wanna promote you. Like, I really wanna see you, and I want to elevate you. Not to put down, like, how in the workplaces we try to put down the accomplishments or, or receive the praise of what other people are doing. That's not in the economy of the kingdom of God. The economy of the kingdom of God takes after the beautiful image of Christ who laid aside his majesty to come humbly before us. And as he plugs away, even coming all the way to the point of the cross, would come to that place and in that, in that place of giving up his will to the Lord, that God would eventually resurrect him from the dead, right? And esteem him above all things, that we are waiting for the day that all glory will come to this earth, right? That we would see the glory of God and how magnificent that day is when Jesus is amplified above all things. But it wasn't, it's his interest, it wasn't him who was actually focused on that. It was God who esteemed him. And so what we need to do, this passage shows us that for the humble path to work, we must be a community that takes the time to see each other, to look long enough to see the humble, to feel the responsibility, like, do you feel the responsibility, actually, in this congregation? Do you feel the responsibility to lift each other up? Or are we preoccupied with self-preservation? Are we preoccupied with how do I look in this situation? I, 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 I have the example of um, coming to a funeral. Like, one time I had to do a, a funeral, and it was a, a quite a sensitive death and all this, and I had to give the talk. And I remember, because I didn't do many, you know, at this time, and I was so preoccupied with what I was going to wear. I was so preoccupied with not saying the wrong thing. I was so preoccupied with, like, as I'm about to engage the, the person who's grieving, I don't want to say the wrong thing. How many of us, like, when something bad happens to someone, we just, we, we, we don't want to take a call. We might text them, you know, we might send an email, but we don't want to call them. We're, we're scared to do the wrong thing. And in this situation, it's calling us to say, as a church, let us lean in. Let's lean in and be the vulnerable person so that the person who is outside, the guest, can feel like they are seen, that they are heard. How amazing would it be to have someone esteem you before you felt the need to self-promote? How liberating that would feel to be seen, heard, and known. We begin to function from a place of abundance rather than scarcity not grasping for attention, but receiving the gaze of a neighbor, a brother, a sister, and disarming you from the need to be seen. The goal is to recognize others before they feel a need to stand out. I think that's a good and honorable thing for us to do as a church. The other part of this, 
the, the text talks about how to be a guest and the proper way to be a guest, and it kind of alludes to the host and saying, hey, if you're a good host, you want to see people before they feel a need to be seen. But then the, the next part in verse 12, it says, then Jesus said to the host, so we talk to the guests, this is, but to the host in this parable, he says this, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters or relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they might invite you back and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be able to be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. I think that when we see this text here, it contrasts very much as well the way in which this culture works. We see in this situation the host and the desire for the host to be in a position where reciprocity in equal measure is not possible. Where actually when, when the, the host gives, it's saying, don't give to the person who can repay you. Give to someone where it's, it's definitely an asymmetrical relationship. Someone is in power, someone is not. It's not an equal balance. You're never going to get it the same, right? But we live in a culture today where if I say to someone like, okay, I got the bill, you know, I got the bill, and someone says, no, 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 I got the, and we end up fighting for the bill, or we do the sneak attack, and we go and pretend we're going to the washroom and pay, you know, if, if, in those situations, I always find, like, I feel so uncomfortable when someone pays and beats me to the bill, and then I have to later on, I, my automatic response, without thinking, it's like, okay, okay, I got you back next time, right? I got you back next time, and, and, and we're going to keep this equal, all right? And as someone who is giving, I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, you can get next time, even though I will fight for the bill and try to do a sneak attack next time. But like in that situation, the idea of balance and ensuring that there's a contract that is established between me, like, okay, you're going to get it next time, okay, and then I'll get it next time. And it's an uncomfortable thing. Why do that? You know, sometimes we split the bill equally and we always split the bill. Like how amazing would it be to have a different type of economy, a different way that the kingdom of God functions rather than these exact contracts that we exchange between each other, Right? How, how beautiful would it be if we functioned out of what this, uh, the, this uh, someone named Richard Rohr, as you, some of you might know, talks about this gift economy. A gift economy. Because like, a gift, you can't really completely know the value, even though we can somehow figure it out. But you can't fully know the value of gifts or things that you make for somebody. There's something about a gift economy that throws all the balances off off balance. It's, it's something that like we, we function in a society where it's quid pro quo. If I give you, you give me. I give an investment, I get a return on investment. But in this situation, we are not meant to be like that. For me, like if you see me in Facebook Marketplace or Kijiji, like I'm the ultimate capitalist, okay? Like I desire, I desire to, uh, to, to, to sell high and to buy low, right? I'm just waiting for that sucker who just doesn't know what they have in their value, and I just like, oh, you don't know how much this stroller is? Like, okay, like this is an upper baby stroller, 2019, this is, I know the value of those things, like right off the bat, I've gone through nine strollers, okay? Every brand there is out there. And I know when I'm picking up on someone who just doesn't know their value, I love like just taking advantage of that. And then I love like overpricing my things. I feel like that's necessary um, to function in this society. But that's like the part in me that desires to just seize over, like to capitalize on, on innocent people. <laughs> but 
The thing is, you know what I noticed though? Is that when you engage, and every time I always make the mistake of as I'm exchanging the product and, I'm a, and maybe there's a bit of a negotiation, I end up doing something silly and I ask them like, oh yeah, so what do you do? And I suddenly become to humanize them, you know? They're no longer a consumer, you know, that I can just capitalize on. I, I, I see someone who's, and, and I begin to hear their story and I'm like, oh, and I give them the discount and I become weak, you know? Basically, I become weak um, in the exchange. But I believe that we need to be a community that can conceive of a gift economy that is not based on compensation and cost-benefit ratios. When you engage in justice and, and, and the ministry and the social sector and you're trying to reach the poor, there's never balance, okay? There's never balance. But you know what we try to do in the social sector? The social sector attempts to find another way to balance it. They, they, they begin to deem people who are worthy poor and un- unworthy poor. Worthy causes and unworthy causes. And you know what they are? The unworthy causes are the ones that do not have a return on investment. That is not a, stu- a good steward of the resources that we give to them. It's, it's a funny thing that we, uh, we attribute the grace of God that we get from God to us as this free grace and that we cannot repay. So the vertical relationship with God is like grace. Thank you, Lord. But as soon as we do horizontal relationships, everything becomes calculated. Everything becomes a little bit of a, you know, are you a good steward of my resources? And it becomes a warped, non-grace, but a fully merit-based system in our horizontal relationships. But the vertical one that God has given us actually is the template, is the template of how we receive, is the way in which we give. And that when you can have the possibility of giving with full no knowledge of whether you're going to get a return on that investment or whether someone's going to be a good steward of the dinner that you hosted. When you don't know that, you go into the realm of mystery that our culture is so uncomfortable with, that I am so uncomfortable with, that in this hospitality, as I said, is known to be an industry today, right? Where the person that you are serving is the customer. In this situation, the, the host is there to engage the stranger, not the customer. And in this situation, it is the guest. But the purest form of hospitality is when the host is confronted at that front door with a stranger. A stranger who you have no background knowledge of, a stranger who you have no way to anticipate whether they are a threat to you, a risk to you, or whether they will be a blessing to you, you have no idea. And the capacity for the church because I think their institutions are waning, waning from being able to handle risk. But the possibility for a church that is embedded in our theology, embedded in the grace of God, that, that, that forgave us and died for us be- while we were yet sinners, that God can do that for us as the church. We're, I think, the last standing institution that can engage that risk that can actually put ourselves on the line, that can threaten the, 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 the nice parts of our church to be ruined by populations that would take advantage of it. We are actually the institution that people can take advantage of to some extent. We are the ones who can place ourselves in a position where we are in need of the deliverance of God, that not every, every possibility angle of it is covered, that we can actually see that even if we don't know all the risk mitigating factors, we can actually engage in this initiative because God has called us to lean in to situations where it's not an equal exchange. And now there's guardrails that we can talk about, 
But the amazing thing about this that we have is that we can be someone who invites the stranger, the people who do not fall in the criteria of us giving to them, that, that fall into the nice categories we give them. We can be a place of unpredictability, a place of risk. And that's the kind of hospitality that is frightening. We don't know what to expect. The kind of hospitality of the Good Samaritan who brings the beaten and robbed man to the inn and tells the innkeeper that he's going to cover the bill. <laughs> he's going to cover the bill. He doesn't know how much that bill is going to be. You know? He doesn't know how much is going to rack on his credit card. But the Samaritan comes and says, whatever happens here, we're going to allow it to go. And I have no idea what's going to happen beyond that. That's the kind of hospitality that we are here to look at. And as we continue this service, I would like us to meditate upon the beauty of the example of Jesus, who doesn't demand us to make everything in order, demand that we have every uh, satisfied, every checkbox before he ushers or grants the forgiveness. He goes first. He's the great host who goes first and sees what we do with it. And if we can take that example of Christ as we see through the service, which is beautiful. I don't go to Anglican churches often. But I was so emotional at the, the, the communion because we see the gift of Christ, of his body being laid down for us, bare, you know, like completely bare for us. And his blood spilled for us. He lays it all on the line, is vulnerable for us. And this morning is just beautiful in this early service because I saw that that is the Christ who's the great host who doesn't wait for everything to be neat before he initiates. He's the one who goes ahead. He starts it off and leaves it for us to respond to him in the way which we choose. So let's respond to that as we continue. Lord, we thank you so much, God, that you are a God who laid down your life first, that while we were yet sinners, Lord, you came, Father. And we know, Lord, that in glory, you will be exalted above all things, Lord Jesus, and we celebrate that day when that comes here on earth, Lord. But as we sit today, Father, and as we rest and marinate in your incarnation and all the things that you did here in this humble earth, Father, I pray that we can take our cues, Lord Jesus, of what it would mean for us to host a stranger, for us to engage the foreigner, for us to engage those who are the exception to the rule. I pray, Lord God, that the church, the body of Christ here downtown Toronto, here in this place, in this neighborhood, Father, that this would be a place, Lord God, that those who are the exceptions would somehow feel welcome, Lord, that those who are the exceptions to the rules would come into this place, those who are marginalized would come to this place, and they would feel no need to have to, hey, say, look at me, look at me, I, I, I'm someone that we as the church and the body of Christ would see them before they feel the need to be recognized, Lord. Help us, Lord Jesus, to make People feel comfortable so much, Lord Jesus, that they feel the grace of God being demonstrated before them. We thank you so much for your example, Lord, and we look to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You've just listened to a podcast from Little Trinity Church in Toronto. Please check out our website at www.littletrinity.org to find out more about our ministries and services.